No turning back. Mm, That's an interesting uh, phrase, isn't it? Well, as uh, Jess has already indicated, we're continuing in this very short series thinking about our vision as a church, thinking about who we are and where we are going. And uh, if you could grab a Bible, that would be helpful. Uh, And uh, turn with me to John chapter 12. We started in John chapter 12. We're continuing John chapter 12 uh, this week. If it's one of the church Bibles, it's on page 1079. If you've brought your own Bible, you'll have to find it yourself. And we're really just looking at three verses today. Just three verses. Verses 24, 25, and 26. And Jesus is speaking, and he says, Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So what's going on here, and what does this have to do with growing? Well, Jesus had uh, been far from Jerusalem, over on the other side of the Jordan River, uh, when he hears that, he receives news that his, uh, one of his close friends, Lazarus, is extremely ill, dying, in fact. And after a short pause, Jesus returns to Jerusalem. It's a long, arduous road up through the Judean desert, up through the mountainous road from the other side of the Jordan, probably somewhere in the region of Jericho, up to Jerusalem. He arrives in Jerusalem. Lazarus has died. He's raised Lazarus from the dead. He's He's moved by the plight of what he sees there. And as you might imagine, if you just try and imagine this scene, There's a lot of commotion going on because Lazarus, who was dead, is now alive. The religious leaders are not too keen on this. It's upsetting things. And then last week we saw how Jesus was at the home of Simon the leper with Lazarus and Mary and Martha around a meal, time together. And then just before these verses that uh, we've read, uh, Philip, one of uh, Jesus' disciples, comes to him, bringing some Greeks. There are some Greeks. These are not Jews. So Jesus has been with the Jewish people, and now some people from outside, some Greeks, come to Jesus, uh, and they come to to worship, uh, and they had this request to Philip, knowing that Philip was close to Jesus. They said, sir... We read in verse 21, we would like to see Jesus. We would like to see Jesus. 
And what's Jesus? How does Jesus reply? It seems really strange, doesn't it? He says, very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. This is a pivotal moment for Jesus. He has come to Jerusalem. He is entering into the final days of his earthly ministry. He is about to go to the cross. This he knows. He is speaking about his impending death. These verses are predictive. Jesus is speaking about events that are about to happen. And his death, as we know, is going to lead to an explosive growth of the church. As the Holy Spirit, after his resurrection, the Holy Spirit comes on his disciples at Pentecost and the kingdom of God bursts forth. Life comes from death. That's the basic context of this. But there's something else here. He is also giving his disciples a blueprint for how they are going to live as they follow him. We saw that in verse 26. Whoever serves me must follow me. So that's a question for us this morning, isn't it? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And I suggest Jesus is saying something has to die before there can be growth. We think of seeds going into the ground. If you pick up a seed, an acorn, or a small seed, it looks dead, doesn't it? And we bury it, which is what we do with things that are dead often. We bury them. And yet, there is that potential for life. So let's unpack this a little bit. Unless a grain of wheat or a kernel of wheat, or some translations say a seed, falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So the question is, what has to die? What has to die in our lives, in the life of our church, for there to be growth? Well, I would suggest potentially, this is the bad news coming first, it's everything, everything. In Luke 9, Jesus says, if you would follow me, then you must take up your cross daily. It's one of those verses which is quite common, isn't it? We throw it around. It's, it's, it's even gone into the, 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 the popular culture. I've got my cross to bear. It means I have some difficulty that I have to put up with. It's not what Jesus is saying. He says, for Jesus, the cross meant suffering, humiliation, and death. Where is the church growing most rapidly in the world today? It's where it's suffering extreme persecution and people are laying down their lives for the gospel in Iran, in Afghanistan, in North Korea. These are the areas where the church is growing rapidly. So potentially it could be everything. Now, that's probably not a sacrifice today that we're all going to be called to make. The sacrifices we're called to make may be less extreme. 
In the days to come, they may not. But the question is, are we prepared to lay down everything? We've just sung, Christ is enough for me. Did we mean it as we sung those words? That nothing is more important than Jesus. Our time, our resources, our finances, our plans, our agendas, our preferences, our motivations, our traditions, even perhaps our relationships. And ultimately, the incorrect images of God that we carry around. Personally, it's sometimes the small things. It's, I'd like to stay in and have a comfortable evening tonight, but I believe I need to be at the prayer meeting. So I go. It's a sacrifice. It's a small sacrifice. I know it's a trivial sacrifice in some ways. At other times... Going back many years of my life, I've sensed it's right to lay down a ministry, a ministry that I was passionate about, the ministry that I'd felt called to. But the time had come to lay it down. And there wasn't anyone else, obviously, to pick it up. And that was a struggle. It was a wrestling. What's going to happen to this? How's it going to continue? But it felt right to lay it down. We could go on. There could be many other examples. The question to us is, what are the things in our lives? So something dies, but we're talking about growth. So the question is, what grows? What does Jesus say here about growth? So the seed falls to the ground, goes into the ground, it dies. But if it dies... It produces many seeds. Not a great translation. Uh, What it really says is fruitfulness. It will be fruitful. And I think the growth is actually twofold. And Jess touched on this with little Ted. The growth can be in quantity, in the size of things. And the growth is also in the quality the depth, the nature of things. Jesus says, if we uh, do not fall into the ground, we remain only a single seed. We remain alone. If we don't die to self, we will effectively remain alone. No relationship with God, certainly not a full or meaningful one. We have impoverished relationships with others. A marriage or a family can't uh, thrive, even survive, I would suggest, unless there's that give and take. We have to sacrifice something of ourselves in order to enjoy, to experience the depth of those relationships. And ultimately, the more space we make in our lives, the more space we make in our lives, the more we allow the Holy Spirit to be able to take up residence in us. So something dies, but something grows. Less of me, more of God. But I think there's also a slightly different spin on this verse here. Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. 
I think Jesus is also suggesting here that we don't do this on our own. We're called to do it in community. We thought about that last week as we thought about gathering. Why do we gather? We gather around Jesus. We gather to grow in maturity. Dying to self opens up a greater experience of God's community. So I must decrease, so he must increase. I must fall to the ground and die in order that I might grow. And as we were reminded in that verse from 1 Corinthians, it's not me that's making it causing the growth, it's God. Others may feed into my life. Someone planted a seed in my life. Someone has been, well, many people have been watering. But God brings the growth. The more space I make in my life, the more the Holy Spirit can work in me. And finally, there is fruitfulness quantitatively as well. There was a great harvest from the death of Jesus. As we die to self and and learn to serve God and others, it will bring, it will entice others into God's kingdom and God's kingdom grows. And Jesus goes on to say, those who love their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It's a particular Hebraic turn of phrase. Jesus isn't saying we must hate our lives in the sense of, I don't like this job. I don't like how I look. I don't like how I appear. I don't like how I behave even. It's not that sort of hating life. It's an extreme contrast, which is deliberate to say there's a choice that has to be made. Are we holding on to the things of this world, or are we tightly, or are we holding them loosely? Are we making our decisions based on the values of God's kingdom life? Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Again, quantity and quality. It's a life of the age to come that goes into eternity, but it's also a life that's lived in the fullness of God's kingdom here and now. But it's an ongoing struggle. It is for me. It's a question, Lord, which bit of me needs to die today? What do I need to lay down today? Am I growing in my journey with Christ? What needs to change? What has changed in the last year, the last month? It's an ongoing struggle. And again, we need that community, that togetherness to support, to encourage, to walk with one another. It's an ongoing going struggle. Yes, there's a moment, as we sang, I have decided to follow Jesus. There's a moment we make that decision. There's a moment of baptism, which again is a, is a very pictorial, uh, a very physical representation of dying, going beneath the water, and then being raised to life again. There is that moment but it's ongoing as well. It's day by day, today, unless a seed, unless a kernel of wheat 
falls into the ground and dies. And then verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me. What does this growth look like? The goal, I would suggest, is serving Jesus. The means is following him. The goal in serving Jesus is loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we serve him by doing his will. And in serving him, we serve others. In uh, Philippians, Paul writes, uh, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, that your love may grow, that you may grow, abounding more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. We are to grow in knowledge and depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best, so that we may be made pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And we serve others to help others do the same. Our love is directed to others to help them grow in the knowledge and love of Christ. And the means is following him. Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow him. Well, we can only follow him if we know where he's going and where he is. And I would suggest he's in the brokenness of the world as he was during his earthly ministry. He also walked a path of suffering. He said, in this world, just a few chapters later on, you will have trouble. But fear not, I have overcome the world. It means following Jesus each and every moment of our lives in thought, in our words, and in our actions. So how do we draw all this together? How do we apply this in our lives? Well, the obvious question is, have I taken the first step? Have I actually made that decision to surrender my life to Christ and to follow him? If you're not in that place yet, but you feel that the Holy Spirit is just tugging on you this morning, then we'd love to talk to you afterwards about what that might mean. The second thing is, if I've given my life to Christ, have I obeyed his command to be baptized, to renounce the world, to, to make that demonstration of dying to self and being raised to eternal life? But if we've done all that, then the daily question is, have I examined my agenda for today? We need to be open and honest, I would suggest, with God and with one another. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it really for God's kingdom or for my own particular interests and desires? Are my own 
interests and desires secondary to whatever will help others grow towards God, me and others. And this only also applies not just individually, but to us, to the things that we do together as church. Sometimes we need to let go of cherished traditions. They need to fade away if we're to grow. There may be things that inhibit growth. We need to examine these things. Ultimately, Jesus must be central. Christ must be enough for me and for all of us. So, to switch metaphors slightly, it's not a grain of wheat, but I say let's shake the tree and see what happens when the seeds fall. Let's pray. And this is my prayer, that your love, that our love, may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Father, I pray that anything that is not of you, anything that I've said that is not of you, anything that is in me that is not of you, will fall to the ground and die. But that you would bring growth from that. Lord, I pray that you would help us together as community to walk with and encourage one another to be growing in our knowledge of you, in our love for you, in our love for others, encouraging others to encounter you in new ways, in deeper ways, to grow in love, to grow in Christ-likeness, that we would be pure and blameless. Lord, it often seems like a big stretch that we could become pure and blameless, but it is the promise of your work in us through your Spirit. Lord, we ask that you would do this for your glory, for Christ alone, to whom be all honor and praise. Amen.